So he was demoing this tool and he knows all of the little ins and outs about it. And so he kind of wants to show it off. And the way that we have it set up is I'm sitting sort of off to the side, driving everything on my laptop, kind of I'm the the point and click and control the screen guy and he's talking and mm-hmm. I can see the bus coming <laughs> because <laughs> he's like, okay, now we're going to do go over here and do this. And I'm like, oh God, no, I don't want to click that because I know it's going to break. I know it's going to go slow. Right. And I mean, the whole thing, you're building segmentation, you're doing these complex ca- calculations, query building and, and all of this stuff. And of course it breaks. Welcome to Working Code. And now your hosts, none of whom have ever seen a failing unit test, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. Okay, here we go. It is show number 55. And on today's show, it is, as you can probably guess, our last show for 2021. Happy 2021. Wow. Merry 2022 as we come into it. Man. Happy Christmas Hanukkah Kwanzaa if you <laughs> celebrate. And Festivus for the rest of us. That's right. So I guess for one final time in 2021, let's do our triumphs and fails. And then we'll get into today's show. And on today's show, we're going to talk about sales fails. So uh, Carol, why don't you go first? Oh boy, I'm going to go with a fail, you guys. A big giant one. I just came back from my birthday trip. And on my last day, I ate some food that was cross-contaminated with something I'm very allergic to. And I got to come home looking like the Michelin man. So that was great. All nice and swollen. Mm. Very bad. So I'm sure people thought leaving Vegas was probably the best idea for me that night. So mm. yeah, yeah. So that's a fail for me. This is not fun. I hope to get better soon. I mean, it looks like you have lip injections. I mean, that's all plump. And, I mean, <laughs> that, that's-, that's what my girlfriend said when I got nutmeg on my lips the very first night they were there, that we were there. They were like, oh, you don't have to pay for filler ever. Just go eat some nutmeg and you're great. <laughs> you're allergic to nutmeg too. I'm allergic to nutmeg too. Very, uh, very allergic to nutmeg. So then this was fish apparently. So that's mm. terrible. But yeah. I'm so sorry. Thanks. Uh, getting well, it better. But happy birthday. Uh, thank you. Thank you. 37 years old now. Well, it's yeah. about a day past 19. Yeah. So crazy. So crazy. Do you have yeah. an EpiPen with you at all times? How does that work? Yep. Yep. I actually carry two with me at all times just in case I have to use one. And then on the way to the ER, I have to use it again. Because anytime you use an EpiPen, you have to go to the ER because it can cause like a heart arrhythmia and all kinds of things just from it injecting oh, man. everything into you. Yeah. So, yep, I have two auto injectors. So you don't even have to know how to use it. You literally pull the cap off of it and it says, if having an allergic reaction, place this to your thigh and hold and it just auto injects into your leg for you. Hop. So, nice. yeah, no more stabbing me. Just. Listen to the instructions, please, and place it where it tells you. Oh, it actually mm-hmm. talks to you? Yeah, it talks to you. Whoa. Yeah. That's so, cool. so I can just hand it to my drunk friends in Vegas and say, follow the instructions. I'm going out. <laughs> <laughs> and then they like they follow the instructions to the letter and they put it to their thigh. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, man. <laughs> so, yeah, that's it. That's all I got. <laughs> what about you, Ben? I'm going to go with a triumph. I've uh, spent the last a couple of weeks, I guess now, just working on my blog infrastructure and modernizing it and bringing it up to newer Cold Fusion and newer JavaScript and newer styling syntaxes. Like I can't tell you 
looking at the HTML and, and seeing me having to put open comment, close comment, just to make sure that there's no white space between elements because I needed to have no uh, space when they're displayed as inline block. I mean, it's just like it's super, super old code that I can now in two lines replace with a CSS Flexbox, that kind of stuff. But I've just been having a lot of fun with it. I added comment moderation. I don't know if I mentioned that in a previous episode. I just implemented a, a dark theme, which I've wanted to do forever. The CSS custom properties came out, I don't know, like, I feel like five years ago, like a really long time ago. And uh, I'm only just now starting to really embrace it. And I don't know, it's just, it's exciting. And it's been freeing, I want to say not feeling like I have to write new blog content. Like I can just actually have fun playing with the technology itself and not feeling like I have to produce anything at the end of it. And uh, yeah, I've just been having a, a, a great time. What is a comment moderator? Is that what you, so, you added? Uh, yeah. So uh, historically, if you post a comment to my blog, it would just immediately get published. And uh, I'm happy to say that for the most part, that has never caused much of a problem. I've had to tweak some spam settings and some filters. But uh, for the most part, it's been pretty non-eventful until like a couple of weeks ago and someone just started posting thousands of spam comments from hundreds of unique IP addresses all around the world. I mean, it was really... Haters! Oh my God, It was very oddly complex. (laughs) You made it! You got haters! So I finally had to put in some sort of comment moderation. So now when you post a comment, if I've never seen you before, it, it doesn't get published and it sends me a, a link to either approve or reject it. And then when I approve it, I can either approve that specific comment or I can approve that particular email address from that IP address. Because I'm always nervous now, like, well, what if someone tries to leave a comment using someone else's email address? I want to make sure that if it's a new IP, then it has to be moderated again. But I don't know. It, it's just a huge, it's just a, it's just a bummer, honestly, that, that, that there's people in the world. Yeah. yeah that mm-hmm. suck so much. That's why yeah. we can't have nice things. Yeah. Though. People mm-hmm. just suck. So anyway. So couldn't you do something like a CAPTCHA or something? I mean, are you just avoiding that? I, I'm just curious. Uh, no, no. I, 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 cause it's hard to know if, if people are doing automated things. I mean, this was very clearly automated, but in the past, uh, I think people would just do it manually and then the capture doesn't really do much. Right. I looked at a couple of people recommended something called a schemat or ask I don't know how to pronounce it, which is so oh, a kismet, a kismet. Yeah. And I looked at that, but I, I don't know how prickly they are about this, but apparently you, you can't use the free version if you have ads on your site. And technically I have ads on my site. I mean, just for like work stuff, but I don't know. Anyway, the moderation, uh, honestly, like I kind of wanted to do the moderation also because sometimes like people just are jerks, even if it's not spam, like people are just jerks and they want to post hateful comments and those don't need to be published. So I agree. I agree. I like that I can go read through something you've posted and read the nice comments to it. And even the ones who disagree, if you can disagree in a pleasant way, those are great too. It's when you're being an asshole. I don't want to go read. Like I don't want to read when you write something like that. So good for you. I've, I've several times over the course of like the last decade, I've had just a handful of people post comments about how terrible my code is. And then when I say, well, would you have any suggestions on how to improve it? Their response is always like, why should I waste my time teaching you how to code? I'm like, well, then well, don't be here. <laughs> yeah. so, be quiet. Go home. Then yeah. I'm not going to let your comments stay here on the page. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I never have to let those comments see the light of day. So I love it. 
Censorship. <laughs> what about my freedoms, man? My freedoms. America. America. <laughs> what about you, Tim? What do you got going on? Well, first of all, I'm glad you have a blog. I didn't know that. No, I, I know you have a blog. So I call it a tribe. I've really enjoyed. So our patrons on the show, they they have uh, our page, not even just the people on the Discord channel. Some of them are patrons, other, anyone can join, but they've been talking about the Advita code and I've heard about it for past several years and for those of you who don't know it's like around christmas time advent time they have a a puzzle that's available every day and it's a programming puzzle and they give you up and i think i said before there i didn't know if there's a part one or part two it's because i just started there is a part one and a part two so I, i correct myself from last week but what's cool about it is it gives you a little data set like a little sample data set and they give you the answer right based on that data set and the programming challenge and so what's cool about that is you can basically take that, build a test. So you build a test that say, given this input, I'm going to, the output's going to be, a, it's always a number. So it's always like a, a mathematical number that you're going to come up with at the end. And so you can sort of build some tests around that. And so it's been helping me improve my testing. And some of the challenges, they start pretty easy and they get progressively harder. And I've really enjoyed doing it. I've, I'm, I didn't start till much later. I'm probably I'm on day six now, uh, and it's you know, of course it's, it goes till uh, the 25th. So, but it's been really fun. It's taught me that I don't because I didn't come from a computer science background. I took IT type classes rather than computer science. My math is woefully, <laughs> woefully <laughs> inadequate. I've always wondered, I guess, would have what you would consider a classically trained computer science background. I knew I wanted to get into computer science, and that's what I majored in college. And some of my favorite classes in college were math classes that were required for the computer science degree, like linear algebra, mm-hmm. not just algebra, like linear algebra. And I've always wondered, like the people that don't come from that path, if after they get into programming, if they would like those math courses like oh that's why arrays work that way or whatever sort of i i mean i can only speak for myself me yes because i look at some of the answers so i I can basically i build something right i try not to look at anyone else's answers because you can go Mm -hmm. google and figure out how other people solved it uh, on reddit and things like that but i want i want to solve it first myself and i find that i get the right answer I, i tend to get the right answer but i do it a really kind of brute force kind of way using a bunch of loops and things like that. And other people are just using very elegant looking to me because I don't fully understand it yet, but just this elegant algorithm that they feed something in and it comes out right. I'm like, I don't know how they got there. Right. <laughs> so, and, and I mean, the only reason I didn't do computer science back then is, is because I was trying to get away from computer program. I was in a phase where I thought I didn't want to be a nerd. Um, <laughs> but also, I mean, to be honest, I, I've always been bad at math. I, I, I have, when I, I've never been diagnosed, but I feel like I have a form of numerical dyslexia. Yeah. I can totally understand higher math if I, you know, break it down, but actual s- simple addition and multiplication and division to me is really hard because like numbers just kind of all kind of jump around when I look at, I have no problem with words, but when it comes to numbers, it, it just, I get really shook. <laughs> so, but now having been in this, I'm like, you know what? I would really like to get better at it. The problem is, it's like I've never run into these problems. The problems that they're facing and I'm facing is like pathfinding and nearest neighbor problems. And what's the algorithm that, you know, where you find the shortest path? Dijkstra. Is that what, how I pronounce it? Adam, you corrected me mm-hmm. earlier. Dijkstra. Yeah. I, I, people like look at a problem and go, Oh, this Dijkstra. 
algorithm that they just know that off the top of their head. I'm like, I never would have guessed in a million years that there was an algorithm for that unless I had found out that there was. So, right. I mean, it's great because it's opened my eyes. So I'm really enjoying the experience and I'm looking forward to even, I'm not going to be able to do it in the time frame that they're given, but I do want to finish it. So, so is it helping you kind of wrap your head around test driven development because you are starting with test up front yeah. before you start coding and that's not something you've done before, right? I've not, I've, I have done it. I've not done it. I, I've done it where I'm with other people who are working the test, right? So, okay. yeah. So no, me building the test, this has definitely helped me because like, so I will come up with the answer, get it right. The test will pass. And the nice thing is there's a part two, which is building off part one. And so now what's going to happen is my test is going to fail. So I have to go refactor everything. And while I'm refactoring, I'm constantly running the test to make yep. sure that stuff, my prior assumptions are continuing to pass. And if they don't, for instance, uh, so I'm sorry, going a little bit long here in my triumph here, but so early on, my tests were passing on my small data set, but they were failing on my big data set so that they give you like the answer and you can build your test off of that. And they give you a much bigger data set and you run that. And the bigger data set was failing. But the smaller data set was passing on my test and I didn't understand. So I kept, I just assumed something was wrong with my code. Well, what had happened is I accidentally had gone in and corrupted my real test data. <laughs> mm-hmm. the, the bigger data set? My yeah. tests were telling me it, it worked. And the fact was that I was getting the wrong answers, not because my program was wrong. It's because my data input was wrong. Oh. So I went back, copied and pasted the data set that they give you, put it in there, and it ran. It passed then, yeah. yeah it passed. Nice. I was like, man, I wasted two hours of my life because I didn't <laughs> trust my tests. So just point of clarity, are you doing tests for funsies or, or is tests like how the advent of code is set up? No, it's for fun. You don't have to test at all. Oh, as long okay, as you get okay. the right. So they, the advent of code, they give you the, the test data, they give you the real data, and they give you an, an input field that says what's the answer, basically. And you plug the answer in. How you get to that answer, they don't care. But I'm doing it because it lends itself to sort of test-driven development because you have something to test against. I like gotcha, it. Gotcha. I like it. Uh, I mean, I can put the, uh, I'll put my GitHub repository out there uh, that I'm doing the answers on. And if you want to take a look at it, it you just. What are you writing it in? Scala? I'm doing a cold fusion. <laughs> oh, I'm doing a cold fusion. <laughs> I was like, go put it in yeah. Scala. None of us will be able to read it. <laughs> it's, all in po- it's all in Postgres. Oh, of course it is. I deleted a test today. I was pretty excited about that. Oh, great. Adam's going to be so mad. I was refactoring some code and I came across this method. And I'm like, no, there's nothing in the application that calls this method. This method hasn't been used in like seven years. So I started searching through the code base to see if anything was calling it. Nothing was calling it. So I started deleting code is like pulling thread. Like you delete the method, then you look for things that may have called it. Yeah. And you can start to delete all. It's like a cascading deletes throughout the code base. And uh, the very last reference at the end of this thread that I was pulling was this test file, was the only thing left that was calling this. And I opened up the test file. And this is actually kind of funny because it sort of loops back to what uh, Adam Cameron and, and Tim and I were talking about in the chat yesterday about having to deal with tests that actually have databases. And this was a test that was actually running against the database and it had all this complex code about setting up test data running the test and then tearing the test down. But like only mm-hmm. half of the test component dealt with this. And I was, I just, I didn't want to deal with picking apart the tests that were relevant. So I just deleted the entire test file. I was <laughs> like, I'm like, this is gone. This is gone. We'll be good after this. So 
Uh, you're breaking my heart here, man. Yeah. You have I'm to sure. have a, a neutral, chaotic, or whatever. I yeah, mean, yeah. That's not chaotic neutral. You're a chaos monkey, my friend. <laughs> you're a total chaos monkey. Okay, well, Adam. How about you, Adam? So I'm going to, I guess, take like a two-parter here. Both triumphs. The first being, I've mentioned several times over the last many weeks on this show that we are moving all of our service, I guess you would say, to be multi-tenant. And I guess, I mean, the the whole goal there is to just make it easier for us to sign more customers and scale out what we're offering so that we can make more money with the same number of people, right? And that's going really well. We're actually making good progress. The, the I had this whole sort of like checklist of things that I could do before we could actually make like sort of those first steps toward multi-tenant, but like the, the prerequisites. And as of today, I think the last one is in the last one of those prerequisites is in for code review. Yay! And and it's not all on me. I've had help from a couple of my teammates, but we like we're on the cusp. And I forget exactly how many working days are left this year, but it's conceivable that we could like get rid of our they call them, in the whole cattle versus pets thing. We could get rid of our EC2 pets for our primary app server by the end yeah. of the year, in theory. That's that, awesome. is, that doesn't mean that we're going to be totally cattle by then, but it, it'll be a step in the right direction. And that would be awesome. Well, congrats. So, that is awesome. Yeah. So that's part one. Part two is we're like a real podcast now. We have an actual honest to goodness sponsor. What? Um, and so, what? yeah. So get this. We talk a lot on this show about books. And we like to read them. We do technical books. We've talked about other like sort of fictional stuff that we liked. And so it just so happens that we are getting sponsored by Audible. So cool. Yeah. So basically, I mean, you guys have heard this pitch a million times, I'm sure, from all the other podcasts and YouTube and everything. But I mean, so you know how it works, right? You go to audibletrial.com slash working code pod. That's us. And you get a free trial. So what is it? It's a 30 day free trial of of Audible. And that gets you a free book of your choosing. Doesn't have to be anything, but we'll give you some of our suggestions here in a minute. The Phoenix Project. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Oh, I'm ahead (laughs) of myself. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hold on. (laughs) Put a pin in that. We'll come back. (laughs) And so you get a free 30 day trial. You get to pick a free book. You get access to their Audible Originals, which is other audio content. There's, they have all kinds of weird stuff, right? So they have podcasts on there. There's like theatrical performances. Mm-hmm. There's like meditations, all kinds of stuff, comedy. And, and then obviously podcasts. And this podcast, if you're interested, is available on Audible, if you didn't yeah. know that. I and I was just actually, before we started this, recording this. here tonight, I was checking out their web player for podcasts. And it's really nice, like all the speed settings and everything are really nice in there. So I really liked it. Yeah. So like it'll benefit us. It costs you nothing. Go get an Audible trial. Audibletrial.com slash working code pod. And we would really appreciate that. Now wow, I think it sounds so official. Audible I know. Right. Working code on us. So cool. That's us, you guys. So awesome. Uh, I, I want to throw out there when we did that, that book club of the clean code by Uncle Bob, I did I read that book as an audiobook from Audible. I didn't feel like I missed out on anything. As a matter of fact, when we were discussing it with patrons in Discord, I don't remember who, somebody was like, how does that even work, right? Because there's, I guess there's a lot of code samples in the book. And I, however, they pulled it off. I didn't feel like I missed anything in the book. And probably uh, I got through it better because I did the audiobook. Uh, well. I, I, 
it would put me to sleep. I think that book actually with the audible subscription. And if you would have probably paid attention, it came with a PDF that you downloaded Uh, and it had all the code samples in there and it had all the questions. So you could have a copy of the PDF of all of the pages where the code samples were. So if you did feel like you were lost listening, you could read along. But Adam has a CS degree, so he's like really smart. Uh, <laughs> and paying attention is not my strong suit. Adam. Well, I needed the PDF, so I actually print, I actually printed the PDF because I was the flying. whole book. Well, no, the companion piece for oh, where it had the, the questions and the code samples. Yeah, okay. so I printed it because I was on a plane during that time, so I worked on it on the plane. So I was like following along. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I love audiobooks in general, right? Like, so I listen in the car, I listen in the shower. This is, you know, time I wouldn't be able to read a book. And so it's like taking that time back, right? So if if we're giving uh, suggestions, can I suggest you then to go listen to? Okay, if you get it, I highly suggest The Phoenix Project. Mm -hmm. I have loved this book. And in the beginning, I am with Adam. I got completely pissed off at how he (laughs) references software engineers and developers and calls us careless and that we have no lack of control over what we're doing. And we're just like going crazy in the code, making decisions. Oh, I was so mad. I was like, that's not us, but whatever. The rest of the book was great. I got past yeah. that. Really, really good. Go listen to that. And then I love The Martian. Mm, it is probably one of my favorite reads I mm. or listens, I guess is what we'll call did it. Did you get the Will Wheaton one? I did. I got one? the Will okay. Wheaton one. And I loved listening to it personally. So I would recommend it. So those would be my two. I'm going to take one non-technical for you know people who just want to relax a little bit yeah. and find something a little something a little fun and whimsical and so so bedtime stories for cynics by Nick Offerman. Ooh. So it's a collection of short stories. Nick Offerman is kind of like the narrator in between, but it's read by different people, and they're just kind of really perverse, uh, <laughs> <laughs> cynical stories that are like bedtime stories for adults. It's, it's, that sounds awesome. it's really unique. And I actually think it's free. So you don't have to pay for it. It's not even a credit. Yeah. So if you're looking for a good story and it's actually free, wouldn't cost you a credit. Bedtime stories for cynics. It's really entertaining. I'm going to have to go check that out. We do a lot of audio books on road trips or you like when we have to go for Thanksgiving or travel for Christmas, that kind of stuff. And uh, the last audio book we did was Born a Crime by um, Trevor Noah. The oh, that's host. so good. Oh, it is so fascinating. He lived such a fascinating life. I had no idea. He speaks like seven languages mm-hmm. and just went through some crazy, crazy stuff. Definitely, yeah. definitely worth reading. And I think it's exclusively available on Audible, actually. It's called mm-hmm. Born a Crime? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Noah. Really, really yeah, highly so recommend. Hilarious. So many good stories from his life when he was like living in the... Uh, South Africa, and was it like a DJ? Oh my God, the DJ story! <laughs> oh, oh man, it's so good. My FOMO just kicked in. I'm going to go get that one tonight. Oh, it's really, it's, it's just. I, I only knew him as the host of the Daily Show. I didn't know anything mm-hmm. about his background. I didn't even know where he came from. And it's just the 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 journey that he's been on is mind boggling. You got so I'm I'm going to get just give you. You got to listen to it for this one story, which made me, I've never laughed so hard in such a long time. So he was a DJ. I'm not going to give it away, but he's a DJ. He had like a dance troupe. So they would go into, in, into like these towns, like they put in a big party and they had a dance troupe. And one of the guys in his dance troupe was named Hitler. 
and hilarity <laughs> ensues. That's all I'm going to say. Like it, that was his legitimate name. Yeah, that was his legitimate name. And he explains oh why. There was nothing anti-Semitic about it. It was just, it was from a viewpoint of, of a black person in South Africa. They thought that was a great name. Not, you know, oh, it was because, like a stage name. No, it was his real name. It was his real name. Oh. His name was Hitler. They would just name people after famous people. And they knew nothing about the whole World War II genocide, okay. anything. Just that was the name they picked. But it really sets up one of the funniest stories oh, in the entire book. It's so oh crazy. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, I mean, if we're throwing out uh, non-tech books, too, like just fun reads, I got to say, oh, God, I, there's so many authors that are like my favorite author. But I'm going to go with Daniel Suarez. He's got some great books. And I have never, ever picked up a book that he was a sole author on and not been immediately and like to a huge degree consumed by the book. Everything he writes is gold, in my opinion. I guess if I have to give a specific book recommendation, I would say start with Demon, D-A-E-M-O-N. Damon. Right. So uh, I, I always kind of pronounce it Damon too, but I think it's supposed to be just pronounced Demon. But it's a clear tech reference, right? Mm-hmm. He, he's kind of a techno thriller guy, hmm. or at least this book is. And it, it's kind of like, uh, what if MMO RPGs and the real world kind of collided? And it's like an yep. alternate or augmented reality sort of situation. And it, it was a really good book. I, mm-hmm. I guess I should give a content warning too. It's got one, let's say, a sexual assault scene toward the beginning of the book. It's yeah. not hugely important to the story. I don't know why it was included, but yeah, it's that, there. That, that scene could be totally thrown away mm-hmm. would not have affected the book. So I don't even know why I put it in other than shock value. Yeah. But other than that, fantastic book. Yep. Can't recommend it enough. So again, audibletrial.com slash working code pod. Get yourself a free trial. Get yourself a free audiobook. Maybe you like it. Maybe you've never had audiobooks before. That's like podcasts only. Smarter. <laughs> um, <laughs> Only well-written. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They actually rehearse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. And they know what they're doing. What, so what are we talking about today? Sales fails. Let's do it. Yeah. So uh, sales fails. So I, I brought this topic up. So in, in most organizations, you have a sales unit, right? I mean, we're all programmers, but, you know, in order to pay the bills, there is this, you know, people that they go out and sell what we've built, Right. And, but because it's software, it, it just can't be a person who's like an establishing relationships and shaking hands and buying people drinks and doing those, although you definitely need that. It's technical, right? So you, you typically need a sales engineer. And so when I, when, when I talk about sales fails, this isn't just a, a sale that you failed on. It's through the process. There's typically a demo, right? Most of you guys have like, have yeah. either sat in on a demo from a, a vendor or have participated in presenting a demo to, to a, a, pr- a prospective client. Yeah. My story is also in a demo. Yeah. So they can fail if everyone's not in alignment. So if the sales team doesn't alert the engineering team that a sales needs, to, a sales demo needs to be done and you don't have a sales engineer. So a sales engineer is, is typically a person who is depending on the organization, they could be a hundred percent dedicated to the sales team and their job is to know how to operate the software and know how to speak to any sort of technical influencer on the other side to explain how the technology works, what's behind the technology and what to expect and things like that. If those folks aren't in line, it can be a really big failure. So I'll give you an example from today, which is why I suggest this topic. <laughs> So, you know, salesperson is basically like, hey, we're doing a demo. We're going to do a demo on Thursday. 
And so make sure you get with so-and-so and and, everything's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. So we get in there and the salesperson basically just says, all right, go ahead and do your demo, but never really made sure that the technical team was ready in in a small organization. We're not huge. So in a small organization, typically you don't have a full-time sales engineer. Maybe this wouldn't be a problem if you did. But if you have a person whose job is like be writing code most of the time and then occasionally doing a sales demo, you need to make sure that they're ready for that because typically they're going to be demoing out of a system that may have been constantly worked on. They want to show you the latest and greatest features and need to make sure that they work. And so today it's like we're sitting in a demo. A customer comes on. We have like 15 people on the call. Most of them are from the customer and they all want, you know, they're showing, so we're stepping through the process and showing them how everything goes, things are going all right. And all of a sudden, this process is supposed to kick off an email that basically sends an email to the end user to kick off some, uh, a process just doesn't show up. <laughs> so we're just sitting there waiting. That's email, right? So it's nice, like you're not really sure. Did it get in my spam filter or whatever? It's the Outlook server. It's not us. Yeah. 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 And so we're just sitting there and, and so it's like, I mean, just you have one shot, right? They've given <laughs> you, they've they yeah. given you all these people, like the, if you totaled up the total salary cost per hour of the people in this meeting, you're definitely in, in the multi, multi thousands of dollars for just that one demo. And now you're sitting there, everyone's staring at a screen waiting for an email to come in that's not coming in and it's not coming in because the salesperson who makes a lot of money to get sales basically never made sure that the person who's doing the demo said, you know, make sure it works before. I mean, it would take, would have taken just an hour or two before just say, Hey, we're doing the demo. Can you run through it once? Make sure everything works. Cause they're just working on code up until the moment. And then they jump on a call. Right. They knew the call was there. They probably should have done it as well. So I'm going to put it on both of them. But honestly, <laughs> the salesperson, their job is to get commission and make money. So it's their best interest to make sure that that person does that. Uh, so I, I leave it with them. That was their responsibility. Yeah, I think non-technical people just assume that technology, like you get it working and then it, it's perfect forevermore, right? Like, yeah, right. they think stability maintains, like that it just stays stable. They yeah. don't understand that changes are happening after a stable point. Right. So we're sitting there in the call and it's not coming through. So the guy, and so now the sales engineer, typically they're more technical. So they're not really concerned about a salesperson knows how to say things without, they can frame things in a certain way, right? Person who's an engineer is just like, Oh, well, that didn't work. Yeah. And then, <laughs> right. And so, and so, I mean, to his credit, I mean, he went in and he got it working. He, he managed to finagle it. So it, we simulated the steps, but it, it mm-hmm. was not at that point. Credibility was lost. I'm like, we're right. done. I mean, this is just, we blew our chance no matter what. And what makes me upset is because it had just someone said, Hey, let's just do a quick run through. It would have taken 15 minutes. The email would not have got there, but immediately I would have found a why because now I'm freaking out. I'm in the call as well. And so after the call, I go and check my email. I get an email from our email provider, SendGrid, which says, Hey, someone from this IP address was trying to relay an email through you. We blocked it because it's not from the, your a whitelist. <laughs> because unbeknownst to me, I have a shared SIN grid, so multiple people use this. Someone turned on IP block, IP whitelisting. Mm. <laughs> so if it was not specifically from the right, and I could have caught that. I mean, I had right. the email sitting right there. You I'm like, known. It was the exact same time he was like yeah. trying to demo this portion of the thing. 
with this very critical email that has to come out and go to the end user, we would have caught that and this whole like egg on our face situation would not have happened. So yeah, sales fails. It's like, it's not a technology problem. It is a (laughs) need to make sure that everyone knows what's going on. Everyone's rehearsed it beforehand because this is like a theater production when it comes to sales. You have to make sure that everything goes smoothly. Now we manage to scramble, but I mean, when they see you scrambling, that does not necessarily build confidence in your yep. product. So what's your take on recording videos of demos and then just playing the video as the demo? Like, How important is it that you have hands on keyboard? Mm, yeah. So I've done that in the past and people called me on that. Yeah. Um, it, really? So I used to. So, yeah. So years ago, I'm not in, I don't do sales now, but I, I did do that. And, and I had the same fear of like a demonstration of failure. And even even though I was given a presentation, like a technical presentation, like a, a, a conference, you always worry about code demos mm-hmm. because they typically, something happens and they don't work. And I recorded them then and it didn't go smoothly for me and definitely not on <laughs> sales call. It's like they can tell that it's not real time. Yeah. Like, yeah. And the other problem that you run into a lot is they can go to your website and watch your little demos, right? They can see the quick high level view. So when you start clicking around on say, this is how we make a payment. They're like, Oh, we already saw that. We actually want to see what this does. We want a more mm-hmm. detailed, like we want to see what the report screen shows yeah. us after the payment's made. Right. So, so if you click this over here, what happens? Yeah. Right? Yeah. What happens if I click that little user head? So you, you have mm-hmm. to be interacting with them and be and keeping them engaged. Otherwise, a video just, it, it's not doable on a sales call for to use a video usually. But no. but I think that there is a place for that pre-recorded content. Like you see a lot of these companies have like, uh, they call it a webinar. Maybe nobody was there watching it live, but it's just a pre-recorded, it's like a sales call, sure. right? A demo. Right, right, right. And they yeah. just record it and, and kind of talk you through it as if they're doing a sales call. Yeah, but a lot yeah. of those are just hosted. They're just on your site. You go to it. Yeah, yeah, know, exactly. And they should be. Demo, right? you shouldn't, send it to Yeah, me. I don't yeah, think you should be trying to pass that off as a demo. A live, a live demo. demo. I'm, I'm yeah. talking about this is a, this is a, we got two companies talking to each other yeah. and you're interacting and you're showing them, you know, it's, it's a show and tell basically. And yeah, if you can't do a show and tell and just show them a bunch of videos, just mm-hmm. it doesn't apply. Yeah. And you said something that is very accurate, Tim. When an engineer is sitting there doing that demo, they do not gracefully handle failures. No, not don't. in the slightest. Mm-mm. I'm like, oh man, that should have thrown a big error. I don't know why it's just a white screen right now. Something isn't <laughs> right. working. And the salespeople are like kicking you under the table going, shut your mouth. Yeah. It's working fine. <laughs> I'm like, it's broken. I don't know who touched it, but it's broken. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I typically... Tell the sales engineer if they're not, I mean, a good sales engineer, their job is to kind of brush over that. But sometimes you're just having to deal, you know, it's a technical person who can show something. It's like, all right, you just click stuff and I'll do the talk. (laughs) So, I mean, maybe this is a good time to transition into my story because so we had my boss, Steve, on for that interview a couple of weeks Mm -hmm. back and he is a master at this. So he came from an engineering background. And he has been doing CEO plus sales work for 10 years now. And when those things go wrong, I'm sure he kind of started in that position that we would all go into sort of immediate panic, true honesty, transparency. Oh, that's totally broken, right? He started there. But he he is a master now at dancing around when stuff doesn't go right. And one of the lessons that I learned from working with him in these demo situations 
is so we did one where we were again in front of a large audience. There must have been 20 to 30 people there that wanted to see our product. And the thing we were showing off was our email marketing segmentation tool, right? So you give us a list of all 300,000 people that you're aware of and a bunch of different attributes about them. And then we give you tooling that lets you build a list. So you can say, I want all of the people that live in this zip code that have a degree from this year that are engineers that whatever, all sorts of that like cats, whatever. As long as you have the data about it, we could filter on it. So like a target, um, you could build like a target. Right, right. Yeah. So you can take that 300,000 people and whittle it down to like 175 audience. people or a yeah. thousand people yeah. that are actually going to care about the message that you want to send. And that's how you keep a good email sender reputation is by not getting unsubscribes and spam reports and stuff. But at anyway, so he was demoing this tool and he knows all of the little ins and outs about it. And so he kind of wants to show it off and the way that we have it set up is I'm sitting sort of off to the side, driving everything on my laptop, kind of I'm the the point and click and control the screen guy and he's talking and mm-hmm. I can see the bus coming <laughs> because <laughs> he's like, okay, now we're going to do go over here and do this. And I'm like, oh God, no, I don't want to click that because I know it's going to break. I know it's going to go slow. Right. And I mean, the whole thing, you're building segmentation, you're doing these complex ca- calculations, query building and, and all of this stuff. And of course it breaks. And (laughs) what I took away from that was like, that's a great way to do a demo, but flying by the seat of your pants going through it is not the way to go, right? Have a specific plan. These are the fields I'm going to select and know what you're going to pick going into it so that you can purposefully pick things that are going to be performant and that are, you know, known to be in a working state right now and that sort of thing. Because again, it was just like, a missed opportunity, right? We lost a little bit of credibility in that situation. Now, fortunately, that particular customer did end up signing on with us, is still with us today. But mm-hmm. yeah, and honestly, I credit a lot of that to Steve's ability to dance around that particular failure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where I would have been like, where's my coffee cup? Something just spilled in this laptop. I don't know what happened. <laughs> Nothing's coming up. I broke it all. Sorry. <laughs> no clickies. And I, I would say that from my viewpoint, it's like it's, it, it was somewhat of an organizational failure. I, we've got to get the whole sales demonstration better. We're very much an, a, an engineering type company mm-hmm. and we tend to think that way. And I've been trying to shift away from as being more just sort of sales and marketing focused of just telling the story, right? Cause there's so much more to the story than just the demo. You don't just show up and throw up and, <laughs> and, and give them the technical demo. There's so much more to it. It's uh, what's going to be the, process how do you get this built what the teams are going to be involved what's going to be required of you and what meetings are you going to have to come to who are the stakeholders on your side so making it much less more about necessarily the the point and click and what the product because that's my mindset from where i've come from that's what i'm most concerned about but not necessarily what the customer is concerned about i mean they're like they're going to assume that if you're selling this and you sold it well that it's going to work. There's going to be bumps and bruises along the way, but you know, it's going to work in the end. What's the whole process going to look like and getting away from just focusing on the point and click and the features and the sets. So those are important, but they're only part of the story. And so really the sales pitch needs to be so much more than just that story. One time I was never a salesperson, but I've always had relationships with clients and this is just a crazy moment from many years ago. This is several companies ago. I was on a call with a client and we were doing a screen share 
I don't even remember what technology it was like. WebEx or something. I don't know what, what the thing was back then. And the company was small. Everybody was in one big room, essentially. And I'm on my computer and I'm doing the screen share with the client. And all of a sudden, I can't type anything. Like I start typing and it's just like gobbledygook shows up wherever my field is. And I'm like panicking and I'm trying to fix stuff. And I open up my instant messenger and I'm trying to message my boss and, and everything inside the instant messenger is going crazy. Your dog was standing at the keyboard. <laughs> you know, at least that would have been reasonable. So at one point I, I, I tell the client I have to call them back. And so I get off the phone and I go over to my boss's desk and I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if I have a virus or something. And he was like, dude, I'm totally messing with you. I changed your, your keyboard settings. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh no. He, he had from his computer, I don't know how networking and all that stuff, like he, he did, he was the tech guy. He had, while I was on the call, thought it would be funny to change like the language settings on my keyboard <laughs> and, and then oh, like no. remapped all the keys. <laughs> it's now Dvorak instead of QWERTY oh, no. or a different language. Yeah. It was, it was a young company. And was, that's an awesome prank though. <laughs> that is a great prank. That's good. A bad time to do it, but a great prank. Mm-hmm. No, he knew I was on a call. That was the craziest part. Right. Yeah. Oh, so man. was this like, what is the name of that software? Like they have it in most, like computer labs at schools and like they can, it controls all the like system settings and something. it can send out like windows updates. And yeah. I, I think so. I, it must've been something. Yeah. Cause I feel he, like if somebody said it, I would recognize it, but I can't. I'll tell you one thing that I love about dealing with salespeople is that salespeople, when they don't have a technical background and they're talking to the customer and the customer wants something to be changed in the product, the salespeople and the customer don't have any sense of what level of effort it would take to make that change. Mm-hmm. So they come to you and they're like, oh, the customer's really having this point of friction. And I maybe I don't know if this is on the roadmap. And like what they want is this button to have a, a capital I instead of a lowercase I. Like, is that even possible? <laughs> I was like, bro, let me see what I could do. And like half an hour later, I'll be like, that's in production. You're good to go. And they're oh, like, nice. what? That's crazy. <laughs> see, I... I have the opposite. I have yeah, that. I, was thinking the same I thing. always get the, oh, look, we've talked about this. All you have to do is change this I from a uh, uppercase to a lowercase, but we only want it to happen in every third word. And if it started <laughs> with the letter K, then change the I. Otherwise, don't. And it just turns into a disaster. I don't pick up anything easy anymore when it comes from a sales call because it's not easy. It's going to have a lot more behind it. <laughs> Well, this isn't a sales fail, but this was another fun sales story kind of along that same line, Ben. I've been in demos where like the app is, you know, up on the shared screen where everybody can see it. And I've got my second screen off to my side, off to the side of my laptop or whatever with me. And it's the app is like, it's such a say it's a JavaScript app running in like dev mode. I can make the change live while we're sitting there in the demo and with, <laughs> without losing the state of the application, it updates in place. And it's like, Oh my God, you're a wizard. They think you're, they think you're a wizard and brilliant. Little yeah. do they know when you refresh, it's gone. No, it'd still be there. Like the, I'm not like editing in the elements tab in the browser. I'm like actually making the code change to the app and it, oh, it does like hot pushing, module reloading yeah. and pushes okay, it into the cool. app. I was just it's, thinking of like in console, like, Oh, yeah. change color blue to red. Ooh, fancy. Yeah, no. That would also probably amaze a lot of them. It does. But. It totally does. I think I've mentioned this before, but at one of my previous jobs, I kind of got titled the gatekeeper of the product for a little while because of the sales fails that kept happening. So it mm-hmm. was 
first, you're going to sit in on the sales so you can see how humiliating this is when we're trying to do a sale and things won't load, things won't work because you guys have just pushed code into it. And then secondly, so that you can sign off on things going in and know the schedule of when we're going to be demoing. So that way you can hold things ahead of time and you will have an understanding of when things are being demoed. And if we forget about it, you can be like, hey, yo, yeah, we just changed this page. Here's the new edits to it. And this is why we did it. So it, the communication has to be there. Your sales will hate you. Mm-hmm. With, like Tim said, it just doesn't work well if they don't know what's going on. Yeah. When Tim was given that story about how a five or 10 minute meeting beforehand could have prevented all that, I was just thinking like, that's got to be part of the standard operating procedure. That should be yeah. considered part of every demo is a, a pre-demo check. You should lock the door to it and say, nobody go in there, make any changes. Because maybe I've set up test cases. Maybe I've set up scenarios that I don't want anyone touching so that I can easily load that information and it's in the state that I want it demoable. So lock people out using it and lock touch points in the code as well. All too often, the demo environment is the same as the like QA. QA and I I need to test and see what happens when I make this change environment. And then you yeah. just broke what I needed to demo. Yeah. That being said, I don't think engineers really understand just how incredibly hard salespeople's job is. I mean, oh, just yeah. to get people's attention mm-hmm. is incredibly hard today. I think everyone is bombarded with so much stuff all the time that means absolutely nothing. And so if you can get someone who can get someone to come to the table, I mean, they've already done a huge amount of work to get them there. So just make sure that stage is set and things are ready for to present your best self there because i've seen demos from companies that i know cannot deliver and their (laughs) sales stuff looks so good and everything they say is so right and i'm like but i know for a fact they cannot do 80 percent of what they're saying it's like they're just waiting for that but they're gonna get the sale they're gonna get the sale and that means they're gonna get the money and that means they're probably gonna build it and, you know, it's like, that just pisses me off. I can never be a salesperson. It seems way too people-y and confrontational is not the right word. But, but you like, don't people well. No, I do not people well. And I do not. I'm not someone who sells the value of something very well. It makes me very uncomfortable to sell value. I think the value, I think you probably don't feel, you, you don't want to oversell it, right? You yeah, don't yeah, want to, yeah, yeah. You, you don't want to present what we're, the, you're like, there's options. You know, and I, I'm with you, Ben. I thought I could do sales and I did it for several years and I realized I cannot. And and it's not because my biggest thing is when it comes to sales, you have to be the kind of person who can accept failure on a regular basis mm-hmm. because you're not going to win most of the time. You're going to fail most of the time. And that's okay if you're a salesperson because it's those wins that you celebrate. But yeah, I could not. I got some failures and I'm like, nope, I can't do this. This is too hard. <laughs> Too depressing. Yeah. I just, I cannot shake it off. I couldn't let go of the failure and just move on to the next opportunity. And I mean, salespeople are like sharks, man. They're always moving forward. They're a totally different breed from engineers and I respect them for it, but I cannot do it. Totally tangential for a second. When Adam was talking about Steve Rittler, his boss, well, I don't remember what he said, but there was something that it, it occurred to me that between Steve's interview and Tim's interview with Adam Lehman, both Steve and Adam talked about the fact that they started out as individual contributor slash engineers mm-hmm. and that they both moved into management when they realized that they couldn't 
make the kind of changes that they wanted to make and that they became engineer or they became managers when they wanted to become sort of like a force multiplier. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I don't know if a lot of people in management are like that or if that's just very coincidentally we had these two interviews where both these people sort of had similar. I think they are. Yeah. It was, it was, it was a very interesting because I, I think I had mentioned, oh my God, I'm blanking on his name right now. Dean Wolf? No, the, uh, oh, Adam he's Savage. A, he's a cold fusion guy. Joe Rogan. Uh, he does a lot of presentations. He always says, ben outstanding. Ford. Charlie Earhart? No, he did, um, Mark Escher. Mark, yes. Mark Escher. Every time I would. outstanding. Yeah. Every time I'd ever say stuff about like, oh, I can't get enough done or I don't have enough influence. He was, he always gets on my case about that's why you got to become a manager, become a force mm. multiplier. Like you, you can get everything you want done if you have people under you getting it done. But I don't know. I just, yeah, that's definitely a different. Mind. I mean, it's a mindset you either have or you grow into. Yeah. And yeah, you just realize at some point you can only get so much done hands on keyboard as a contributor. It's so hard. I'm addicted to programming. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us this evening. This episode of Working Code was brought to you by changing your coworkers' keyboard language while they're in the middle of a demo. (laughs) (laughs) Listeners like you. And also audibletrial.com slash workingcodepod. Get yourself a free trial. If you like what we're doing here, you might want to consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash workingcodepod. You can support us for as little as $4 a month and all patrons get access to our after show and early access to new episodes as soon as they're ready. We're going to send out a huge thank you to our top patrons, Monty and Peter. Thank you guys so much for your continued support. And for everybody else that's just here to listen, that's awesome and cool with us. We appreciate you. And If you were interested in sending us some good vibes, you could do that by leaving us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts and telling your your friends and your coworkers about us. Please send us your questions and show topics on Twitter or Instagram at WorkingCodePod, or you can record a voice memo on your phone or on your computer, and you can email it to us at WorkingCodePod at gmail.com. And you can also join our Discord and chat with us there, chat with the other listeners there. It's a great, great place to hang out. and Talk about Advent of Code. Yeah. So that's it. We'll catch you next week. And until then, remember, guys and gals, your heart matters, even if you mess with Ben during a demo. (laughs) You've been listening to Working Code with your hosts, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. We'll catch you on the next episode of Working Code.